0: Welcome to Welcome Home Radio. The waters in the mortgage industry can be pretty muddy, whether it's investing, leasing, renting, home insurance, or myths and misconceptions. Welcome Home Radio has the answers for you, the consumer. And now, to help you make the right home buying decision for you and your family,
1: here are your hosts.
0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. It's October 12th, 2022, and today we're going to talk about interest rates, what's going on in the world of interest rates today. Um, Tom, good morning. David, good morning.
1: Good morning.
0: David Cavanis is with us with David Kavanis Wealth. We're going to talk again, interest rates and other things about money. I think it'll be a very interesting conversation. Tom, how's your morning going, bud?
1: Not too bad, not too bad at all. Just um, enjoying the wonderful end of my vacation. I've had a week and a half off, and it's been like maybe this is what retirement's supposed to feel like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope we all get there. That would be wonderful.
1: Well, David, David- touched, uh, you know, Mister is with us today. One of the reasons I invited him is he's so knowledgeable in the field of. Uh, uh, investment. Uh, he's a, a, a planner uh, individual. I'll let him actually introduce himself here in a little bit uh, in just a second. But I wanted to have him on because I felt like our take on the market and where we we're headed and what we see. And at this point, you know, uh, looking back, uh, hindsight's always 2020, which is great. Uh, I pulled everything out of the market, you know, last year at the end of December, and I haven't had anything losing money this year oh now wait Tom's nose it's getting longer and longer and longer but uh, I'm hoping that, I'm hoping David's help here today will kind of assuage some of us with regards to expectations and interest rates increase because we understand of course that the uh, mortgage market has uh, uh, really dried up as far as. Um, and keep in mind, when they talk about the mortgage market, they're talking about applications for refinances as well. Very few people want to refinance from a three percent interest rate to a seven percent interest rate. So uh, it's that's kind of unusual. So the idea here is to kind of get a grasp of maybe perhaps when we will see this change, when we'll see things. Normalize a little bit and what the market is doing itself uh, today. David, introduce yourself a little bit as far as background and tell the folks uh, how they can get hold of you as well.
2: Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, as you guys have already said, I'm David Kavanaugh. I am a certified financial planner uh, and I'm owner and founder of Kavanaugh Wealth Management. We're a, a state registered uh, investment advisor here um, in Texas. And, you know, I've been. Gosh, this is my 20, well, 22nd year total in the industry, and, and, you know, almost 16 uh, since I went out and started my own firm. So it's been, it's been quite the roller coaster since I got started in 2000. We've uh, experienced quite a few of these ups and downs in the market, as, as, uh, uh you guys know through, through the years and survived 08. And now we're kind of going through, through this phase. I'm, um, you know honor that you guys tom invited me to be on the show today and happy to happy to join you guys
0: well i tell you um let's get right into it uh you said you've been in the business 22 years 16 your year own company what are you making of this economy yes since you've been through 2006 7 8 9 10 you saw a lot of people that had a lot lose a lot you saw them get some of it back some never did recover and now you got a whole generation going through their very first economic downturn can you help our audience out with what you see and what you've dealt with over the last 15 years or so
2: yeah i mean you know we we go through a lot of ups and downs i think you know first and foremost i don't see at at this point that we're in an 08 type situation which which you know, when you're going through it, um, at the time, it was absolutely brutal. Uh, You know, I think uh, investor behavior is the one thing we talk about a lot with our clients. And, you know, how do you act and react? And what should you do? You know, we we believe, I believe that, you know, everybody should have a plan, a long term plan that they, um, you know, are adjusting when when things get a little rough, like it is now, if, uh, you know, if you're having a hard time sleeping at night, then, you know, that says we need to, You know kind of reassess where we are from a risk standpoint but you know i think the best course of action most of the time is you know to stick to your plan and and sometimes that's the hardest thing to do we let the emotions take over Uh, you know there's there's always a reason not to not to stay with your plan not to stay invested and not to um, stay the course but you know i think you're rewarded in the long run when you do
0: yeah, Tom, that's, I would agree that's, with that. That's the toughest thing. thing.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, the long run thing I think is very important. And there are, uh, I guess, a generation out there now that are getting started. Maybe been in it eight, ten years working. They've seen their 401ks kind of tumble down a little. I'm sure they're going through the same emotions that the uh, other generations did uh, when they yeah. lost much in their 401k. So, um, again, reiterate that advice you would give somebody watching this show that is on the cusp of am i doing what's right i really don't have anybody professionally helping me but you know my dad or my grandpa or my aunt or uncle really giving me good advice what do i do now um can you follow up on that a little bit more is is it normal for people to have that feeling
2: yeah oh absolutely you know i I think that's that's the normal part of investing and you know I, i would take a step step further and and you know tell everybody to keep things in perspective as well. The advice you're getting from, you know, your parents or uncle or your next door neighbor, who's always got the hot stock tip, uh, you know, remember that their situation is always different than your situation. And, um, you know, you really need to look, you, you know, when you, you start thinking about your portfolios, whether you're 401k or, you know, just your general investment account, um, you really have to look at it through a lens of, you um, your own personal situation. And I, I think, you know, a lot of times we start digging around on the internet or, you know, we're on social media and, and everybody's got a different opinion on what you should be doing or how to do it, but it's not always relatable to, you know, your goals. And, and that's the important thing is, you know, what are your financial goals? How are you doing in, in relation to, you know, meeting those goals, being on track for those goals? You know, and what what tweaks and changes do you need to make for that? I think once you once you kind of scale back and, and you really look at, at your goals and your plan and what what your roadmap is, essentially, then, you know, I think the the, the markets like we're going through right now become a little more. Um, I want to say a little more easier, but that that's nothing's manageable. easier when you're down, you Some know, 20, 30 20, percent, but manageable. Yeah, that's a better way to put it. I think it, navigatable, you know, you can navigate you know, these bumps in the market a lot easier uh, when you know what it is, you know, you're trying to achieve and what it's going to take to get there. I think, you know, well, you touched you on clear, something that
0: I think's really interesting too, is that a lot of folks, you know, in the day didn't have to deal with, but today um, with so much instant information, anxiety, you got the social media, you got the internet, you got 24 seven news, I think people's brains have more, you know, there's more on your brain now than there's ever been, I think, in, in today's world. And I wonder how that affects the wealth management business and the people that you're talking to with some of the issues they come to you with.
2: Yeah, you know, and you, you cut out a little bit, a um, little glitching at, at the beginning of that, but I think I caught caught the gist of what you're saying. I, I think the, you know, having the knowledge, the, the information at your fingertips, it, you know, it's really changed even from when I got in the business, um, you know, in in 2000, 2001, uh, it, you know, the information is certainly out there. It's, you know, how, how do you take that information and make it, you know, applicable to yourself, right. And your situation and, you know, bring in your risk tolerance and, and your goals into effect with it. It's, it's, um, you know, I think it's made it a little more trickier, you know, for the individual investor, certainly to, Um, you know, go through a, a, um, you know, any kind of market disruption like we have. Um, And and you mentioned it earlier, too. I think we've got a whole set of investors that really have just gotten started over the last few years. And, you know, aside from, you know, that that little blip we had, you know, back with COVID, you know, it's been a pretty, you know, pretty lofty time to be investing in, in, you know, something we saw, you know, again, in the late nineties, leading up to the Y2K bust, where it didn't matter what you were buying. If, you know, if you bought it, it was going up and you get real comfortable as investors when, when that's happening. And then now that things are, are down 20, 30%, um, you know, you you start having a little, little different attitude towards everything.
0: Well, the title of this show has to do with interest rates and we are now seeing interest rates, 7%. um, haven't seen that in probably 15 years. I don't know, 10. I don't know exactly, but it's been a long time. Um, so when, you, when you're starting work and you have a good job and things are going well and you're investing right, and now it's time to buy that home and you're up against, well, gosh, did we wait too long or what's going on now? It's 7%. If we would have bought last year, it was 3.5%. So do you see any of that in your wealth management business or how do you deal with people with issues like that? Because as a realtor out in the field, I I guarantee you, I deal with that weekly. Um, And one of my um, one of my big things out there is, you know, marry the house and, you know, just rent the rate and then get rid of the landlord. Tom's a landlord, not against Tom, but trying to get people to realize that.
2: (laughs) Are you, you know,
0: sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> okay. But you can divorce the rate later. You know, hopefully it goes down at some yeah. point. The way the world's been, it's been up and it's been down. Um, and i tell you another thing that folks are tired of hearing, especially the, the newer generations, is I'm tired of hearing about my mom and dad and my grandpa and grandma's first house was 14%. And <laughs> it's only 7% now. Wow. wow.
1: That was my and my grandpa. Jeez. <laughs> well,
0: it depends how old you are. You know, if you're 25. Your grandpa's probably telling you that. So, it's a real issue. I hear it weekly. Yeah. We, I'm sure you hear it in your business. How are you as a wealth manager? Um, you know, what are you telling your clients?
2: You know, I think it, it's it definitely is a struggle. I mean, and I'm thinking, uh, you guys. You, you hit it right on the head. I think in, in a very short time, we've gone from, you know, just sub 3%, uh, you know, pushing 7% from a, you know, mortgage rate. And uh, they may not you know, be now done. you're looking at, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think we're done either. I think, you know, there's, there's probably still a little, little more to go here. Um, it, you know, you look at, it just if you take the median home price here in the the Dallas Fort Worth area and and a thirty year mortgage now, you know from a cash flow standpoint, you know your your um, you know just your P and I is you're up almost fifty percent from what it would have been a year ago, and and so now it's got to really come back to your cash flow planning. Um, I think you hit it hit it, you know made the right the best point. You know is you know if rates come back down, you can refinance out, but you know. The conversations we're having is, do we put more money down? Do we bring more money to the table and, um, you know, bring our rate down or our payment down uh, that way? And I think that's where we've got to look at, um, you know, I think we got to take a more holistic approach. We're looking at cash flow with clients and where does it make sense in your budget? Uh, that rent versus buy uh, conversation that's always out there, I think, is more, more prevalent these days than than they have been in many years because it's been so cheap to, uh, to buy a house. And as you know, prices keep going up. Doesn't matter how long you live there. You can move every two or three years almost um, and, and be okay. But it's a lot different now. And that's, that's a tougher conversation for, especially for our younger families that are, uh, you know, early professionals starting a family and still trying to figure out where they're going to be in life.
0: Yeah, and I think home purchasing can be so regional, too. I, you know, yesterday a stat came out, 300 people a day moving to the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, and that, mm-hmm. that has been fairly consistent for quite a while. Um, I don't know how many people are moving to Cleveland every day or, um, you know, Connecticut or whatever. But I know here, um, there's only so many houses still, and uh, some of the folks that were going to either make a move yeah. up or down are not moving. So they're tying up some inventory there, but um, houses are on the market a little longer. There tends to be a little bit better, I think, choice for buyers. But the VA buyers and the FHA buyers, many who don't have a lot of cash and they're not, you know, as well equipped as maybe a conventional buyer is, that's a whole nother issue going on. And so um, it's been very, very it's been quite a transition from last year to this year in the real estate business lending. Also, I'm sure um, Tom in here, I know you teach and you're one of the best at that in very many subjects. Um, but as a, as a manager of your wealth, so to speak in your housing that you own and you lease out, how is that going with your rents? How are, um, the people that are renting your homes, are they staying there longer? Can you tell yet? Or are they are they actually moving out to buy or have they just put that all the and they're just thanking God they have you in the house they're living in?
1: Well, uh, I, I will just be frank that most of my tenants now go, I've got an average of about seven years for every tenant that I've got. Uh, meaning that, um, you know, my tenants are really long, long term. And that's because I keep the rents affordable, but this year I'm paying my taxes right now and I'm just going through and I'm like, I've got to raise my rents next year. There's, it's gonna be a a fairly substantial increase because not only did the insurance go, taxes go up, but the insurance went up as well substantially. You know, you gotta keep in mind, Texas is one of the most expensive places to have insurance and we're if you combine it with our tax rate, we're number one in the U.S. with regards to how much we pay. Although I think Florida is going to catch up with us pretty quickly here. It sounds like. Uh, so the reality of owning a home, uh, you know, uh, is is tougher. I've got one of my tenants that's you know trying to get qualified for a loan. They've got the same issues they had when they moved in eight years ago, though, on the credit. So. Uh, I just, I pointed out to him, if you're going to heal, if you're going to make this happen, I'm giving you the ability to do that by keeping your rents low. But next year I got to move them up to market or closer to market so I can see that. And, uh, I, I feel for all my tenants with regards to, they, they try to take care of the properties. They, the, you know, they don't bug me a lot, which is good, but <laughs> Uh, At the same time, I also realized that this has been an opportunity I've tried to afford them to get out of the rental situation if if they possibly can. And so I think it's everybody's own personal initiative. And I've tried to advise them with regards to things that they need to, you know, get as straight as they possibly can in order to move and move to the next spot in life, which might be owning their own home but you know,
0: the the, the iBuyer thing really got going a couple of years ago you had big money asset management companies coming in stock exchange companies coming in buying homes and and a lot of them didn't do very well when the market changed now you have a trend and i'm sure david's aware of this that lease to own neighborhoods are being built national home builders are building lease to own neighborhoods and we have three in dfw right now i it, that was just as a a couple of weeks ago when I was reading about it, maybe more, but you you can only rent in these neighborhoods. You cannot buy the homes. And um, to me, it's an interesting trend. Things always change in real estate. Um, So David, have you kind of seen any of that? And have any of your clients talked to you about that at all? Or is it too new yet or what?
2: Yeah, I I think that's still too new. I'm aware of them, but uh, you know, in terms of clients and conversations, You know, we haven't really had had any of those yet, but I I do see that, you know, that's probably coming, you know, in a relatively short period of time now.
0: What leads to the rent, the rent versus own thing to me, and I think eventually it gets into your business for sure. Wealth management.
2: But I I
0: don't know how many of your clients rent versus own. I was kind of maybe thinking the majority of your clients own homes or at least buy them. Is that true?
2: Yeah, I think that's that's very accurate. I, I mean, I've got some that that rent or lease, but for the most part, you know, most of our clients are homeowners.
0: So here's where I was going with this, David. I see um, on some of the reading I do, and also LinkedIn, I see, which I I know you can take that for whichever way it is. But you see people whose titles are wealth managers um, saying renting might be better for you than owning. They, and they leave a question mark. Now, I'm sure they're trying to drive their business, get people to call them and ask. But I've seen that more in the last six months than I have, you know, probably in the last 10 years. So I'm just wondering if it's starting to creep in or if that just early advertising. Call me. I want to manage your wealth, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I think, let's be honest, it, part of that is generating activity and content um you you know you probably put 10 of us in a room and you'll get 10 different answers on you know what's what's the best route to go and and it still to me comes back to you know what works best for your personal situation i I don't think there's a blanket answer for that that question at all i mean you gotta look at time frame as well Um, if, if somebody's here on a temporary relocation then you know, yeah, you, could, you can easily make that argument of, you know, you want to rent and not own and and the additional costs there. But, um, yeah, I don't I don't get into too much of the back and forth on, on social media with the rent versus own, because I think it's you know, it's, that's a very specific um, issue for each individual. Instead of just a blanket, you're better to always to rent, which some people will say that and some are on the other side of the fence.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think Blair and I are involved with it every day.
2: That, that big.
0: Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's,
2: I mean, I think it is. You know, it's it's tough. And
0: what does what what are wealth managers telling their clients um, as far as interest rates in the future? I know you can't predict anything. You know, we don't know if a bomb's going to go off in Russia or whatever. We can't predict things in general, but and you do give advice based on history and based on your knowledge, and I'm sure you're keeping up with the federal reserve. So in general, are we, we're thinking, I personally think interest rates are going to continue up still a little bit. I don't know how much, but is that kind of your feeling too?
2: It is, you know, I think you, the crystal ball is still a little, little murky here, but uh, you know, it appears all indication, you know, from the fed is they're maintaining this course. And, um, you know, we've got to see it, you know, probably be interesting later this week to see what um, what the inflation numbers look like after we've had, you know, several months now, you know, pretty strong, uh, you know, interest rate hikes by, by the Fed. So I, I don't see that, you know, they're going to change course before end of the year uh, unless, you know, unless we do get, you know, some kind of black swan event or something that's, that's just not on the horizon, you yeah them to to change course or even pause for a minute but you know I think you know for all betting people here and putting chips on the table it would it would certainly look like you know through year-end we're still gonna gonna continue with some rate hikes
0: and Tom you I'm, I'm pretty sure you're agreeing with that you're kind of thinking that as well
2: uh, no
1: I think they're gonna drop by three percent here in the next three months no Wow, we have have a a hot sports opinion. (laughs) Got to start a little controversy here somehow. (laughs) Put you on the ticket. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, Ben Bernanke won the Nobel Peace Prize today, so I was always kind of thinking, well, let me me call Ben and ask him what's going to go on. I don't know if if David remembers this. David and I both served on a school board (laughs) together. Um, but about, uh, six, five years ago, uh, they have an annual conference, the TASB conference, um, uh, here in Dallas. And I was able to go and actually listen to Rob Kaplan speak at that time. And I was in a room, a big cavernous room with about eight other school board members because he talked right at lunchtime. And so everybody had gone to lunch. It was basically me being able to ask Rob Kaplan, why in the heck were interest rates still at 0% when we had an economy that was doing really well, chugging along, and maybe, and he didn't give us any room. uh, And I made the point with him and he said, are you the only one that's gonna ask questions? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, it's you and me, Rob, because I'm the only one here during the Q&A. And I I think he finally cut off Q&A because I asked so many darn questions. But I remember this so distinctly, being (laughs) able to ask him these specific questions about why is the Fed not raising rates at the time? And they're always uh, uh, that the the Fed tends to not be uh, oftentimes it's not proactive. And that's the the, the frustrating part with interest rates, I think, is that they're reactive. and, And this has always been the case is it's a reactive piece. So. When you see this next rate increase, which the Fed meets, what, in November again, Dave, I guess it is?
2: I believe that's right, yeah. That'll
1: be their last meeting before the end of the year. They'll increase it another three quarters of a percent. But I also predict that in October, they're going to see some real slowing in our economy. And the weird, weird thing about all this is that we're still not looking at the fact that uh, in this economy, We've got such good employment numbers that it, it's it's not it can't be counted as a true recession, even though it's still. I, I feel like Mike Tyson hit me twice in the head pretty hard already, and so I'm sitting here going, "Okay, we're not in a recession, but the Fed's still raising these rates." I, I think this would probably foreseeably be the last increase, probably. Uh, it'll definitely be the last one for the year, but probably the last one for you know maybe a yeah. good quarter or so. Um, so I I I I just anticipate that there's kind of a into this tunnel at this point, and I'm seeing some of the light here at the end because I know when I go to the store and see four dollar a gallon milk and three dollar a gallon three three dollar a dozen eggs. That I know, most people are probably going, "Whoa, we this? Where's my? Where's the deal on this, Tom? You know, <laughs> where when's this going to happen?" But coming back to the Fed and again that interest rate aspect, uh, uh, you know, the interest rates, of course, technically uh, have rarely ever affected mortgage rates, and so this is kind of a perfect storm because the Fed got out of buying bonds which they should have been out of five or six years ago as well. Another question I asked Rob Kaplan at the time, why are you still so highly invested in our mortgage rates and artificially keeping them low? And it built in this false sense of security that we're getting more into a normalized situation with interest rates. And I wouldn't be surprised to see them stick around 6%. I mean, that, you know, 6, 6.5% for a good year or so while investors start filling their buckets, but anybody that's watched the markets know that the investors are not even giving par rates anymore. It costs you a point, just about on any rate that you want to get nowadays, which is an unusual tact in the marketplace as well. So this is all these kind of things. These We're going to have to see some settling in the marketplace and it sure doesn't help to have the potential of a nuclear war on the horizon. And it's, Always, you know, people fighting. I think it's time for us to start thinking more along the lines of trying to come together and, and work these things out and work people into a better position to be able to do this. I, I wanted to ask Dave on the interest rate thing as far as that goes, um, you know, where? You might be investing as far as uh, you know a good interest rate investment type deal, CDs and that type of deal. I know I went out and bought my inflation treasuries, my tips, and um, bought my little ten thousand dollars worth of those at nine percent. I thought, well, that's that's not a bad idea. Is there any other place that might be good good place to go with your monies from that standpoint? Yeah.
2: I mean, I think that's that's the toughest thing right now is you know how how do you navigate it, navigate the bond market and you know typically that you're more conservative investors that have historically been um, you know invested in, you know either partially or or heavily into um, you know that side of the equation and it, this year is, is just been brutal you know and I, I think for many years it's forced your conservative investors to be, you know, even a little more, you know, tilted into equities than where where they historically would have been or their comfort level has been just to generate, you know, the added interest and in, uh, dividend income. But, it, you know, I think it's still, you know, what we're advising here is I, I think it, it, you know, certainly could still be a little bit um, early in, in the bond market. The I bonds have been a good place. Uh, you know, to, to generate some yields with, with interest. And, you know, now that we're seeing treasuries, uh, you know, in the short term, you know, three plus percent, it's been, you know, an, an area to, to start considering parking some money at and, and maybe even laddering, uh, you know, some of those bonds over, you know, a, a short time period and trying to wait out, you know, all the ins-
1: And so, so, so Dave just said, I don't have the technology to keep it up.
0: Yeah. But yeah. well, you know, Tom, you said some earlier that I think it's really interesting when you said, and I think it'll come back to 6%. And to me, there's a new normal with every high, right? Things go up, sure. and up. then they come down. And when they come down, that in itself creates a market. Yeah. Right? So yeah. if they do go up 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 and they come down to 5%, 6%. Now we've lowered the rates. We've got a new normal and people suddenly feel comfortable like, "Oh my gosh, it's a good time to buy something." So I I think that's part of the equation here with um Well, you know, and what, what the offset is of,
1: The offset of course and what as you alluded to earlier uh about pricing, that is something that's reflected uh, more and more so in the interest rate adjustments that as the interest rates go up and, you know, I remember when rates were 14 and 15 percent, grandpa, <laughs> but when, when they were, uh, the thing that I, I, I remember so much about that interest rate increase was the fact that pricing had to adjust downward. Because people still, it's the affordability aspect of what's so important. And we don't look at affordability calculations. Uh, David's been alluding to that pretty much throughout the conversation here. But something incredibly important uh, to understand is that as a seller, yeah, I may have missed my window to sell it with 10 people standing in a row waiting to bid, outbid each other for my house. I may be lucky to get one bid in the first 30 60 90 days which tends to be happening it seems like more and more with regards to uh, the marketplace and
0: that's exactly right and you know you know people when they're doing their marketing and and lenders are really good at this you know they they have their the people that they've done business with and they send out a monthly update on interest rates and what their houses are worth and I've got several clients who are saying, "Gosh, we bought that house at the you know wrong time
1: at you the know? wrong time. that That's another thing that a lot of people yeah. are looking at here in the next two years as they go into refinance and they get that appraisal comes back. One of the things the CD now clearly says on it, future ability to refinance, this is david's what uh, what is what if certified financial planners always say? <laughs> Future results, or, results
2: or, or past performance is not indicative of future results <laughs> or future performance. Yeah. Well,
0: Man, that's uh, what grocery in, stores are saying right now. In yeah. our industry,
1: we have a disclaimer on the closing statement that says your future value may not be what you paid for this darn house. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, and that, you know, again, I, Dave, I don't know if you heard. We I've got clients, you know, lenders and realtors, they'll send out stuff like a lender will send out monthly to clients he's dealt with in the past to keep up with them in case something happens. Um, Interest rate updates and also appraisal updates. And many are getting updates, your house is worth X amount, which is less than what you paid for. it. Okay, well that's inevitable and people, especially money managers who have achieved wealth over the years and can buy these nice houses look at that and they kind of take it personal like, huh, what? What me, you know, like, and so it's kind of fun. You know, some of them are my friends, obviously that I work with, but you know, you explain I'm a realtor. I bought this house the one I'm living in about two months before the market pumped back in six or seven, whatever year that was, but yet doing great, right? Housing value, everything's recover. You hang in, you go long-term, which was your point. And, um, you know, if you're going to flip, it's different. But I think it's just been an interesting, not a 2008 scenario, but it's been a very interesting inflation, interest rate. Yet people move to the area, create demand. Um, it, you know, days on market have gone up. But gosh, what an interesting dynamic we're in. One, I've been doing this a long time. And I've been buying houses a long time. I have not seen anything like this. This is just a weird, you know, firestorm of economic numbers that I don't think people have dealt with before.
2: No, I think, I think that's exactly right. And I think, you know, we go through these, these long periods and we really have since 08, aside from, you know, a couple of little speed bumps of everything it just continues to move higher. And, you know, I, I I see even with clients, we get spoiled and, you know, here in the DFW area, because our economy has been so strong locally, our, our job growth has been so strong. And, you know, obviously, the number of, you know, new people moving in from out of state, has you know, kind of shielded us from, you know, where, what we've experienced, or what other people have experienced in different parts of the nation. And, um, you know, it's been, this year has been tough all the way around, not only investing, but, you know, as we, you guys have been talking about in, in the home markets, too.
0: And if you want an idea, if you're listening to this and you want an idea of what we're talking about, you know, go to a Dallas Stars game when the Detroit Red Wings are in town. Yeah. It's 30, 75% Red Wing fans in that arena. And that's exactly what David's talking about. The people are moving here from all over the United States. And for that fact, the world. I mean, they're coming here from all the different countries. And yeah. um, so our economy, I think, is a little different than, you know, Maybe Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, or something like that. You know what I mean? So that's what's going on here. It's been a very different dynamic where the national headlines read inflation and interest rates and housing is in trouble and blah, 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 blah. Well, People can read that, and then they take that to heart. And our message on the show has always been talk to somebody locally about the market, about your market. And in this show, talk to somebody locally about your wealth.
2: Yeah. And I think that's that's the key driver, whether we're talking about, you know, your wealth and your your investments and your financial planning, you're talking about, you know, your home and where you're going to live is, you know, gather the information and make yourself an informed individual. But you got to really seek out that local expert advice to see how it all relates back to your personal situation.
0: And can you give out your phone number again in case anybody watching or listening wants to call you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Number here at the office, it's 972-499-8273. Again, 972-499-8273. You can find us on the web. It's um, cavernouswealth.com.
0: Wonderful. And Tom, any closing thoughts today on interest rates or wealth management, your experience that you could help maybe our public, uh, you know, get through this?
1: Well, I think my biggest word of wisdom is buy low, sell high. And let it be.
0: Okay. I get it. That's awesome.
2: All easier said than done. Too, <laughs>
0: exactly. It's a show in a one, two, three. Well, David, thanks a bunch for being here, bud. And um, uh, I, I'm sure people will call you. I probably will call you. So um, thanks for being here. And I just want to thank everybody for joining us for this, good 45-minute chat about interest rates and wealth management. So my name is sure. Alan
1: Pace. And my name's Tom Holm. Thanks for joining
2: us. We'll see you yeah, next time. Thanks think. for having me, guys. I appreciate it.
1: You Thank bet, you, Dave. Dave. Bye-bye.